Good morning. Please turn with me to Second Chronicles 16.9. We're going to be looking this morning at a man by the name of Othniel. And uh, I'm guessing that a lot of you have no idea who this guy is. I didn't either until I'd read through. I'm like, oh, that's who he is. So you're not going to meet him here, but this verse is going to be kind of like our theme verse for this morning. Second Chronicles 16.9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Think about that. His eyes run to and fro. It's like he's looking all over the place. It, and it, it's not, it doesn't sound like he's finding very much. It's not like he looks somewhere and he finds it. His eyes are running to and fro trying to find someone whose heart is loyal to him. There should be a lot of these people, but there aren't. Because he has to look all over the place for people like them. Someone whose heart is loyal to him. Someone who's got him first in their thoughts. And they're willing to trust him. The Lord, to to this person, is the most important thing. There is nothing else compared to their loyalty to the Lord, compared to how much they trust him, how much they love him. There's nothing else that compares to that. It's an interesting qualification, too. The Lord isn't looking for someone who's extra smart. The Lord isn't looking for someone who's beautiful, who's got a lot of money. He's not even looking for someone maybe who's a great evangelist or something like that, who has great people skills, maybe someone who speaks well in public, something like that. The only qualification is someone whose heart is loyal to him. To them, what the Lord thinks is more important than anyone else. And they'll trust him for anything. It's as far in their lives, pretty much the way it works, there's them, there's the Lord, and there's nothing else. I get my directions from him. I do what he says. I love him. I serve him. Whatever he says I do, he'll take care of me, and that's all that matters. So think about how simple that is. Anyone can do that. Any single person. I don't care. How old you are, how young you are, I don't care, anything. You can just trust the Lord. That's all the Lord is looking for. It's so simple. And as a result of this trust, they're not afraid of anything. They're, it's not that, okay, they're doing something for the Lord. It's not that they don't see the problems that are involved. They don't see the dangers maybe that might happen. But they're not concerned about them because they know that the Lord will take care of them. They're trusting him for that. So if the eyes of the Lord run to and fro, he must be passing up a whole lot of people who aren't loyal to him, who aren't willing to trust him and who are afraid. Think about that. Someone who's unwilling to trust the Lord. Of all people, who should be worthy of your trust? Who should be worthy of my trust? The Lord. But so these people then, they're afraid of something. They're they're afraid to trust the Lord. What are they afraid of? Why is it so hard to trust the Lord? Well, maybe they're afraid of the Lord's will. What if what the Lord has in mind, it's not what I have in mind? What, what if I'm not going to be happy with what he has in mind? What, 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 what if maybe what God has, what if maybe God's plans for me are, are bad? Maybe I, I really don't want to do what he wants me to do. 
of course, we know the verse. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of good and not of evil. The Lord has promised that all things work together for good to those who love him. But we're afraid. We're afraid that we're not going to be happy with what the Lord wants. Maybe he wants me to take a job that I'm not going to enjoy. Maybe I'll be bored there. Maybe I won't find fulfillment there. I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid that he might want me to move somewhere. Or, or maybe he doesn't want me to move somewhere, and then I won't be comfortable and happy where I am. Maybe I really, maybe I want to move to, to a better place for a better job. And, but, but I know God doesn't want me to do that. Maybe, maybe God's wrong. Maybe I can't trust God for that. What if he wants me to marry someone I don't like? Some, someone who's not pretty, maybe, or, you know, he wants me to marry her. I, I'm afraid he'll want me to do that. And I don't think I can trust him for that. It'd be so much easier if I could just decide who I'm going to marry. And, you know, well, 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 you can leave that to me and I'll leave the rest to God. Or worse, what if God doesn't want me to get married? Oh, man, I, I don't think I can trust him. I don't think, you know, God doesn't want me to get married, but he's wrong. I, I need to get married. He doesn't know what he's talking about. What if he wants me to do more service in the assembly? That, that, that's one thing that I've always struggled with, free time. I like having my free time. I like sitting on the computer and playing XCOMP. It only takes about a half an hour maybe for a game, but it's, it's nice to be able to relax, and there's nothing wrong with relaxing. But obviously that free time could be used for the Lord. What if he wants me to serve in the assembly in some way I'm not going to have as much free time to do what I like to do? And then I won't be able to have fun. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to trust the Lord. I, I, I don't think that I really should do what he wants me to do. Maybe I'm afraid to stand alone. Um, I don't want to talk to this person. I don't want to... Maybe it's my boss. I, he'll, he'll think I'm weird. Nobody else talks about Jesus. Only other people that talk about Jesus, they use him as a swear word. I don't, I don't, you know, he might think that I'm kind of different. I'm a Jesus nut or something like that. And, and maybe I won't have a good relationship with him after that. Um, maybe I'm afraid I might get hurt. Maybe God would want me to go and talk to my neighbor, and he's kind of a big guy. And, you know, he's powerful, and I don't work out. And maybe he's going to do something. Maybe he might hurt me. I'm afraid. God wants me to do it, but I don't want to do it. Uh, maybe I'm afraid that I won't know what to say. Maybe God wants me to lead a Bible study. Maybe God wants me to help participate in leading a Bible study. Maybe he wants me to do a Sunday school. He wants me to talk to this person or even preach. I'm afraid of, I, I won't know what to say. You know, God, God will put me in this situation and then the words will fail me and I'll just look stupid. And I, I'm afraid that's going to happen. I can't trust God. So contrast that then with someone who's loyal to the Lord. That, that kind of person is a breath of fresh air to God. They don't think that way. It's, I can get, because I know I've thought this way before, I'll get so turned around in my mind thinking, I don't want to do this. Maybe this will happen. Maybe I don't know. Just trust God. It's so simple. God said it. I believe him. It's ridiculously easy, honestly, is what it is compared to the rest of it. Rather than all these arguments, I just trust the Lord. The Lord says to do it and I'll do it because I believe him. What, can't not, what can the Lord not do with a person like that? The Lord can do anything. He says he's going to show himself strong on behalf of that person whose heart is loyal to him. The Lord's going to take care of everything. He's going to show himself strong. You just trust him. So we've already seen a few examples of these in our studies 
through the characters. In the Old Testament, for example, Joshua and Caleb, I was remembering. You'll remember the situation. Um, the spies have gone to the promised land. They've looked at, you know, um, all the stuff that's there. And they come back to Moses and they say, well, yeah, it's a good place, but the cities are fortified. You know, the people are too strong. There's giants there. I don't, I don't think we can do this. I know, I know God said we could do it, but he's wrong. And Caleb and Joshua, they know that God already promised the land to Israel. And so they're not afraid. They're loyal to the Lord. They're that kind of person that the Lord is looking to, looking for. His eyes were looking to and fro and he found Caleb and Joshua because they were loyal to him. They said, you know what? I don't care what's there. God said it. I believe him and that's all that matters. Um, here's one of the things that um, Caleb says. He says, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Later on, uh, only do not rebel against the Lord nor fear the people of the land for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. That's the key right there. Their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us. That's all that matters. The Lord's on our side. I trust him to take care of everything else. Don't worry about the giants that are there. Don't worry about the cities that are fortified. Don't worry about this. Trust the Lord. It's not that they don't see them. I mean, that would be stupid to say, well, there's nothing there. We can just go walk in and it's going to be a cakewalk. No, it's not going to be that. But we know that they're there, but they don't even register on the scale because my trust in the Lord is so strong. So, of course, you know what happens, though. The Israelites rebel against the Lord. And they say, well, you know, I don't think we can go in. And they wander in the wilderness for 40 years. But finally, they do come into the land, just like Caleb and Joshua said they could. And they end up taking out the giants and taking the fortified cities. And just as God said in Second Chronicles, the Lord did show himself strong on behalf of Caleb and Joshua. Their hearts were loyal to him. And he showed himself strong. He proved himself worthy of their trust, as it were. Another example would be David. Uh, I don't know who's taking David yet. I'm not stealing. I'm just going to talk about a little section that everybody knows about. Um, you remember the story of David and Goliath. You've got the Israelite armies face here, and you've got the Philistine armies here, and they're kind of facing off. They're not fighting. They're just encamped, kind of waiting for a, a battle or something like that. And the Philistines have this champion, this big nine-foot dude. And he's got this big spear, you know, this armor bearer with him. And he stands out there and says, I defy you guys. You can't take me out. You're all a bunch of wimps, you know. And the Israelites are freaked out. They don't know what to do about this guy. Um, it, the Bible says they fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. And you can understand in earthly terms why. A guy like this, a nine-foot guy, I'm pretty, I feel kind of short now among some of the six-foot guys in the assembly. Imagine a guy three foot taller than them. And they're afraid of him. They're like, what are we going to do? And so while that's going on, David comes to visit his brothers in the camp. And he's delivering spies. He's delivering cheese and other things like that. He's just coming, you know, to say hi to his brothers who are fighting in the army. And he hears about Goliath. And he doesn't start running around scared. Because just like Caleb and Joshua, his heart's loyal to the Lord. He knows this guy can't do this. God has said that we're supposed to remove these people from the land in the first place. We're God's chosen people. He can't defy the armies of the Lord. His line is, I love this. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who does this guy think that he is? He's talking to God's armies. And of course, someone needs to answer the challenge. Someone needs to do something about this guy. Someone needs to answer his challenge. He's still standing out there saying, you know, hey, you can't do anything about me. 
And so, since no one else wants to answer his challenge, I will, he says. And David's pretty young at this point. I mean, I'm, I'm imagining he might even be half Goliath's size. And, but the thing is, all he sees is the Lord. He doesn't see the giant. His heart's loyal to the Lord. And right now, trusting the Lord means going and attacking, physically attacking a guy who's twice as big as he is. But that doesn't matter. Because he's trusting the Lord. And so he goes out there. He hasn't even got any armor on. He hasn't got anything. He's got a sling. And he goes out there and Goliath's like, who are you? And David basically says, I'm trusting the Lord. This is all in the Lord's hands. That's all that matters right now. And, you know, and of course, you know what happens. He kills Goliath, the ultimate David and Goliath battle, because he trusted the Lord. The Lord showed himself strong on David's behalf. The eyes of the Lord were looking to and fro, and all of a sudden they're like, whoa, look, there's David. David's heart's loyal to me. He'll trust me. And the Lord used him to go and kill that giant. It doesn't matter how big, how small he was. God's a lot more powerful than Goliath. So this morning then, we're going to be looking at Othniel. He's not as big of a name as Joshua, Caleb, or David, but he's just like them still. He's one of those few that God found whose heart was loyal to him. So before we learn about him, we've kind of got to set the stage. Um, You'll remember from uh the, the israelites like we said they come into the land and um there caleb and joshua are a whole lot older C- caleb is, was 40 years old when he went to spy out the land caleb is now 85 years old and uh of course his heart is just as loyal to the lord as it was when he was 45 he still trusts the lord and he's been given a territory and i love this guy he's 85 and he asks joshua he says there's these cities, uh, Kirjath Arba and Kirjath Sefer, <clears throat> and they're inhabited by giants. In fact, uh, one of the cities, Kirjath Arba, it's named for Arba. Arba was a, he was the father of all the giants. Apparently there was this race of people. Um, that's, I, I'm pretty sure from what I'm understanding, that's who Goliath was descended from. So there's all sorts of guys like Goliath here. And he said, these cities, the one that's named for the giants, can you give those to me? I'm 85, but I want to go take those guys out. Because he trusts the Lord. It doesn't matter how, how old he is. It doesn't matter how strong they are. He, the, he knows that the Lord is going to show himself strong. And so he gets those giants, and he trusts the Lord to help him clear them off. So um, let's look at Joshua chapter 15, because here's where it talks about that. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 15, <clears throat> and starting in verse 13. <clears throat> So now to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he, that's Joshua, gave a share among the children of Judah, according to the commandment of the Lord of Joshua, namely Kirjath Arba, that's the city with all the giants in it, which is Hebron. Arba was the father of Anak. Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there, Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. Sorry about my pronunciation, Noah, I'm sure it's pretty bad. But he, dro- he drives out the three giants from there. It, it, it's, it's interesting how short the verses are. The Bible doesn't talk about all the battles and all how he had to do this and that because it was a done deal as soon as he trusted the Lord. He says, I want to go, Lord, I'm trusting you. You want me to go take that city? I'll do it. So, um, there's something rather unusual happens at this point. He takes Kirjath Arba and he got Kirjath Sefer also. That was the other city that was kind of given to him as part of his land that he was going to take. But he doesn't go take it. Listen to what he does instead. Um, verse 15. <clears throat> then he went up from there to the inhabitants of Debir. 
Formerly the name of Debir was Kirjath Sefer. And Caleb said, He who attacks Kirjath Sefer and takes it, to him I will give Aksa my daughter as wife. So Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, took it. And he gave him Aksa, his daughter, as wife. So it's interesting. He could have taken Kirjath Sefer also. But I love Caleb. He wanted to give someone else an opportunity to share in the blessing of trusting the Lord. He'd already trusted the Lord. He'd said, Lord, I know that when you're with me, I can take Kirjath Arba. And he took Kirjath Arba. And, it, and then he said, let me let, let me let someone else have this blessing too. Let me let someone else uh, enjoy the fruits of having trusted the Lord. And if you think about it, Othniel, that's the guy, that, the first time we've actually read or heard about him this morning. Othniel would, might not have had an opportunity like this to trust the Lord. Caleb had called for both of the cities with the giants in them. But because uh, Caleb did what he did, Othniel, a younger man, now got the opportunity to share in that blessing. And of course, uh, in parallel, I appreciate when the more mature brothers in this assembly give us younger ones the opportunity to do things like this. For example, I'm up here preaching. You know that we have... Uh, brothers here, older brothers, more mature brothers in the Lord who could preach every Sunday. And man, they'd be telling us God's word and that would be great. But they're doing just what Caleb did here. They're saying, you know what? We can preach sometimes. We're not going to let them, we're not going to let them do all of it. We're going to take Kirjath Arba, but then we're going to leave Kirjath Zephyr for the younger men. We're going to let them have the opportunity and the blessing. And I'm telling you, I've experienced a great blessing preparing for this sermon. We're going to let them experience the blessing of trusting the Lord, getting up and preaching. So that's Caleb. Now, Othniel, look at things from his point of view for a second. Because he's just like all the other ones we've been looking at. His heart is loyal to the Lord as well. There's something to be done for the Lord. Taking a city in the land of Canaan. So, so that's, and we know that's what God wants him to do. But uh, I don't imagine that there's people exactly lining up to do this. Because yeah, you're attacking a city with a bunch of giants doesn't exactly sound like fun. There's da- it's dangerous um, attacking a city guarded by nine-foot warriors. Imagine if the Israelites were that scared of one guy, Goliath. Imagine what it's like attacking a city full of these guys. It's, it's probably pretty scary. I was talking to Mike uh, a little while ago. I wonder what their architecture looked like. Well, you, you, you think about it. I mean, they, they'd have to incorporate these nine-foot guys. You know, I mean, you're not going to have a door like this. He's going to bang his head on that. And, and and you can imagine then Othniel standing outside looking at this city with, with, with its special architecture for these giants. You, you can imagine, you know, it's almost like what a little kid feels like when he goes into a big building. He's you know, that much bigger. And that would be frightening. I, I, w- I would be frightened to see a city that was designed for the, specifically for these big giant warriors, these nine foot guys. But we're talking about fear. He's not afraid. There is... No fear that registers on his scale because instead he's trusting the Lord. He knows the Lord is going to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. His heart is loyal to the Lord. He's trusting the Lord. That's all that matters. Because God's sustaining each of these giants when it comes down to it. These giants can't take a breath without God permitting it. These giants can't do anything without God's permission. The Lord is much stronger. So he trusts the Lord. And what happens? As we see in uh, verse 17. So Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, took it. He took the city. It was He was trusting the Lord, and the Lord showed himself strong on Othniel's behalf. It was as simple as that. 
So Othniel now marries Aksa, and we don't hear about him for 12 chapters. It's interesting. And I don't think he disappeared. Um, I, I mean, he's still trusting the Lord. He's still, why would his heart change? He's not taking cities, but I can imagine that he's um, a prominent man wherever he is because he's a man of faith. He's a man who, who trusts the Lord. And you know what that's like. I mean, you know, you know the, the brothers in our assembly, the brothers and sisters in our assembly who are really close to the Lord, who really trust them, even when they're not doing great things. He's just being around them. They're an example. I can imagine he was probably like that. But during this period of 12 chapters, uh, a number of things happen. Uh, first thing is Joshua dies. <clears throat> and you'll remember from last week, um, remember all the promises that we read back when, when Charlie was reading them? Charlie would read the, uh, what Joshua said, and then we all said, you know, we won't, follow, we won't serve other gods, we'll obey the Lord. All those promises, well, they didn't keep them. And uh, Israel fell into sin as, uh, pretty much as soon as Joshua died. A new generation came up, and that generation didn't know the Lord. I mean, they, 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 it just wasn't much, it, it wasn't really important for them. They, their hearts were not loyal to the Lord. They could care less about the Lord. Um, and so, as a result of their sin, the Lord did what he promised in Deuteronomy, and he brought in nations in, a nation in judgment on them. Um, Kushan Rishathayim king of Mesopotamia from out in the west. You know, here's Israel. Mesopotamia is over here. King from over here came and he conquered Israel. Think about this. Israel was in slaves, was in slavery in Egypt. But after that, they haven't been conquered. They, they've been conquering. They've been ruling other peoples. They've been uh, following the Lord and, uh, you know, taking out Ai, Jericho. Well, now they're conquered. They have been conquered by the king of Mesopotamia. Uh, let's read about that. Turn now, uh, please, to Judges chapter 3. <clears throat> Start in verse 5. Kind of talks about what happened with the children of Israel. <clears throat> Thus the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to their sons and they served their gods. Remember back in Joshua where we'd read, um, they said, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Well, that's what happened. And they served their gods. So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and Asherahs. <clears throat> Therefore, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Cushan Rishathaim eight years. So they're slaves because of their sin. And, um, but it doesn't stay that way, of course, as you know. In, the, in Judges, there's cycles. They, they fall into sin. The Lord brings in a nation in judgment on them. They cry out to the Lord. The Lord raises up a deliverer. The deliverer delivers them. They fall back into sin. The Lord brings in a nation, and it just happens over and over. <clears throat> so, uh, this time the Lord raises, they cry out to the Lord, and the Lord raises up a deliverer. Guess who? Uh, look at verse 9. When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel who delivered them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war 
And the Lord delivered Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed over Cushan Rishathaim. So here he is again. He, uh, just like back in, uh, in Joshua. He's a guy that the Lord can use. Someone needed to go take the city. Caleb said, okay, someone want to take, uh, De- uh, take Debir? I'm going to give an opportunity. Well, here someone needs to, the Lord, uh, someone needs to save the people of Israel. And so the Lord raises up Othniel. Someone, again, his heart is loyal to the Lord. Someone who will trust the Lord. And that's all that matters. And it's uh, interesting, he's just like Caleb too, because this is probably about 40 or more years later. And he's an older guy at this point. I mean, he was you know, probably in the prime of his life when he was out taking uh, Debir. But here, he's 40 years older. But nonetheless, it doesn't matter. Just like with Caleb, it didn't matter how old he was. It doesn't matter how old Othniel is here because he's trusting the Lord. He's loyal to the Lord. And the Lord's going to show himself strong on his behalf. <clears throat> and of course, um, back when he attacked Kirjath Sefer, he was only taking on a city. Here he's taking on an entire nation. An old empire now, I guess, because the guy had Mesopotamia and now he's got Israel. So I guess that qualifies as an empire. So he's taking on a pretty powerful guy. And he's, before he was fighting on an equal footing, you know, there was the city and, and Othniel was attacking it. Well, Israel's already been beat. Kushan Rishathaim has already defeated Israel. He's already, uh, whatever generals, I don't know, whoever uh, came against him, he's beat them. He's ruling Israel. And so uh, that's why they're in the situation that they're in. But that doesn't matter. Again, he's trusting the Lord. He's loyal to the Lord. It doesn't matter how big the obstacles are. It's not that he doesn't see that Kushan Rishathaim has conquered Israel, that they're in servitude to him. He's very aware of that. But that doesn't matter to him because he's trusting the Lord. So uh, notice what it says. It's very interesting. When they talk, when the Lord talks about what happened, um, it says that the Lord delivered Kushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand, that's Othniel's hand, prevailed over Kushan Rishathaim. It's kind of cool because Othniel didn't just sit back and say, I trust the Lord. Kushan Rishathaim is going to get defeated, be defeated. And then, you know, it just kind of happens. No, it says that the Lord delivered, it says that his hand prevailed over Kushan Rishathaim. Um, Othniel had to go out and do something. He had to put himself in harm's way. Um, He is, if you can imagine, he he probably got together, I don't know exactly how it worked, but I'm imagining he probably got together an army. And he had to fight this guy, and he had to put himself in danger. Uh, you know what happens to rebels, and you can imagine with the, what the Canaanites were like in the first place. What would have happened to Othniel had he been captured as you know a rebel leader? He's in danger, as it were, at this point. He's not really in danger because the Lord's with him, but uh, physically speaking, he's in danger because uh, he's putting himself into an exposed position. But he trusts the Lord. That doesn't matter to him. And uh, we know what happens. We just read it. The Lord delivered him into his hand. Because his heart was loyal to the Lord. That was all that mattered. Remember we were talking about the Lord wasn't looking for someone who was uh, uh, wise or something like that. The Lord wasn't necessarily looking for someone who was a good general. The Lord was just looking for someone whose heart was loyal to him. And that's all the Lord needs to use. So he beats him. And then what a blessing Othniel brings to everyone. Because of his trust in the Lord. Look at verse 11. 
So the land had rest for 40 years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. That's very good, if you think about it. Uh, eight years, they were in servitude to the king of Mesopotamia. And then 40 years, just because one man trusted the Lord. One man said, the Lord's the most important thing to me. I'm loyal to him. I know what the Lord wants me to do. I trust him. I'm not afraid because I'm trusting him. He brought the entire uh, nation of Israel was at peace for 40 years because of that. And then I like that last phrase. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. He, you can imagine, right, as he's uh, nearing, nearing the end of his life, he could look back and he could see that he trusted the Lord. And he could see that the Lord hadn't failed him too. Both times. When he attacked uh, Kirjath Sefer and when he attacked Kushan Rishathaim, he trusted the Lord. It was as simple as that. He just said, Lord, you're going to take care of me because I'm doing what you want me to do. I'm loyal to you. And he could look back and say, both times the Lord was faithful to me. He took care of me. What a nice life to be able to look back on. So, Othniel died, but the eyes of the Lord didn't stop. And the eyes of the Lord are still going around the whole earth. The eyes of the Lord are going to and fro, maybe right here in this assembly, looking for someone whose heart is loyal to him. And the Lord's going to show himself strong on that person's behalf. When the Lord's looking in our assembly, I pray that he'll find someone like Othniel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the example of Othniel and people like him. Lord, thank you for their trust in you. Lord, you are worthy of our trust, Lord. You are the one who spoke and created the heavens and the earth, Lord. You're the one who is all-powerful, Lord. You're faithful. Lord, you are so worthy of all the trust that we can give you. <clears throat> Lord, may we be loyal to you as Othniel was. May we trust you for whatever it is that you want us to trust you for. Lord, we pray that you would use each one of us, Lord, in a way uh, that will bring glory to you, Lord, that we may, uh, Lord, show that you are worthy of the trust that we put in you. Lord, we thank you this morning again for these examples. We pray that we would trust you, Lord, fully, that our hearts would be fully loyal to you, Lord, for you are worthy. Lord, we thank you this morning and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.